0: Okay, in your Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians and the second chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 2. And in just a moment, I'm going to read from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to the end of the chapter. When I came to Troas to preach the Gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, Who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. To the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's Word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, we speak in Christ. Amen. Second Corinthians is all about weakness, strong weakness, the power of God in our frailty and foolishness we've spent recent weeks looking at what it is to be weak but comforted. And we've seen how we're comforted by God's power and we're comforted by God's promises and we're comforted as leaders even when we go through pain and we're comforted as churches when we go as a church through seasons of pain and and uh, disciplinary difficulty. But now we enter a new segment of this particular um, uh, letter. And this time we're going to be seeing truths about what it means to be weak, but carrying on. Weak, but carrying on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would guide us through this text. That You would help us to know your Word, and, and to believe it, to trust it, may it transform our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Weak but carrying on. There are so many things that might make us weak. There are so many things that may, might make us, when we are weak, to back down, to fall down, to uh, lose uh, sight of what we are doing and where we are going and why. There are so many uh, different reasons why we might feel tempted at least to quit, or at least to go quiet. But here we see the Apostle Paul talking about being weak, but carrying on. Sometimes society tells us when when you are weak, even when it comes to to spiritual things, when you're weak, then, um, then, then, then just back down. Just give up. Maybe it's not that you're, you're, you're weak, maybe it's just that this isn't real or this isn't true. And, and society has no concept of spiritual warfare and the necessity of endurance, the necessity of perseverance. And in our particularly pampered society, that is 21st century um, London, there is no resilience when it comes to difficulty. Uh, We are so incredibly fragile that the easiest thing to do when we are weak is to just give up, to stop caring, to stop worshiping God to stop spending time in His Word, to stop talking to Him in prayer, to stop gathering with His people, to stop fellowshipping with each other and intentionally pursuing right relationship with one another and with God. To just step back, step down, step away. But Paul, in the chapters before us, Carries on. He is weak. The church at Corinth is beset by weaknesses. Sometimes they are not as aware of those weaknesses as they should be, but they are carrying on. And God helping us, we, though weak, will carry on. In the text before us, there's a particular situation in which Paul senses very keenly his weakness. He's diverted in his journey through reasons that he, uh, for reasons that he can't exactly articulate in depth and detail. Perhaps if we see someone who is commissioned for the cause of proclaiming the gospel, and we send them out, and we we thought we thought they were going to Troas. That's where Paul goes city called Troas. He goes to Troas. He's going to, we, we've prayed for him. We've sent him out. And the next stop on his journey is Troas. But he doesn't linger there. Would, would, would we be a bit judgmental maybe? We, you know, if, if, we, we support Vadim in, um, in Ukraine. And, and what if God and His providence were to relocate Vadim to Poland as He has done His wife and children? Would we say, oh, yeah, you know, we supported him. You know, he was working in Ukraine. And um, uh, it's just it's such a shame, you know. Has he stopped serving God if he moves to, to Poland to take up ministry there? No. What if, I mean, you're, you know, I'm going this afternoon to, to Krakow. What if God reorders my steps? What if something else happens in the week? What if, what if things um, um, develop and we end up in another city altogether? What if we, we feel, uh, you know, like taking a few risks and <laughs> stepping over into L'viv or someplace? What if? What if? H- have we in some way been unfaithful to the commission of God? if our steps are realigned, if we get to a place and we're working with people, but our spirit is not at rest, and we cannot say why or what exactly, but we move on, and we move on still with our relationship with God and His people intact, with the Gospel of Christ on our mouths. Are we still carrying on, or is that necessarily quitting? I would say the text here indicates that plans change. And sometimes they change for reasons that we cannot go into greater depth and detail on other than our spirits were not at rest within us. I know there are some people who get very subjective and they abuse this with impunity. And just because they have a bad day or emotionally they're not in the right place or they're not in the right headspace, or whatever, they, they, they say, oh, you know, I just think I'm, I'm feeling like a change. That's not what Paul is talking about here. What he is talking about is a spiritually informed decision to do his job where he's at and no more and to move on, and do his job elsewhere. For many, their subjective reasons are more about an escape than leaning further into the will of God and the proclamation of the Gospel. What happens when we're diverted? Well, we should carry on. But how can we carry on even when diverted, even when plans change? Three things that I want you to see briefly from this text. First of all, we we can carry on because Christ is King. We can carry on because Christ is King. Paul comes to Troas to preach the Gospel of Christ. But he leaves. He goes somewhere else. He goes to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always Leads us. Because Christ is King, He leads us wherever we go. Christ led Paul to Troas to preach the Gospel. Christ led Paul away from Troas, taking his leave of the people there to go into Macedonia. Christ has led Paul to go to Corinth and not to go to Corinth. And wherever you go, if you go filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit, united to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, you go in pursuit of Christ the King who leads us wherever we go. And not not only does He lead us wherever we go, He continues to lead us whatever we find there. Paul goes to Troas, and when he's there, he's there to preach the gospel of Christ. There's a door open for him in the Lord, but even though he has a mission, and even though he has an open door, his spirit isn't at rest because he doesn't find his brother Titus, his co-worker. And at so many levels, Scripture communicates to us that it is not good for us to be alone. For us to be in isolation. And because he does not find his brother Titus there, brother in the faith, I must add, he takes his leave of them. And he goes to Macedonia. He didn't find Titus in Troas. He moves on. Christ is still King. Christ still leads Him always. And He leads us always. Wherever we go, whatever we find or don't find there. However it measures up to our expectations or not. Uh, he, he leads us wherever we leave. If indeed we're trusting him and if we are pursuing him and the reasons why we move on are not in themselves sinful, Christ leads wherever we leave. He orders our itinerary, He orders our plan. He instructs us, He guides us, He leads us always. And He leads us back to it's full circle. Wherever we go. Because Paul comes to Troas. He finds an open door there. But he doesn't find Titus there. He finds a spirit that is not at rest there. And so he leaves, led by Jesus. And he goes to Macedonia with Jesus still leading him. Christ is King. Are you following Him? Are you letting Christ set the agenda in your life, in your day, in your week, uh, throughout the various decision-making processes that you wrestle with on any given day? Does that reflect the kingship of Jesus Christ? Do you really believe wherever He leads, I'll go. Christ is King. Uh, secondly, Christ knows how to lead us. Do you believe that? I, I, someone says, "Well, that is not the same thing as saying Christ is King." No. Let's just be honest. Do all leaders uh, commend themselves as as um, people with the office of leader, rather? commend themselves as leaders? You know, do, do all who are entrusted, whether that be through democracy or tyranny, with leadership offices, actually demonstrate that they know how to lead their people? Just because someone is king doesn't mean they know how to lead. And just because someone knows how to lead in theory or in principle, does not mean they know how to lead in the practicalities of leading their people. They can lead someone else's people, but not their own. So, Christ knows how to lead us. As King, how does He lead us? Well, the text says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession. The imagery here is of uh, the kings of that time, the emperors even of that time, Uh, although Paul would have, as we read the scriptures, been very much philosophically and spiritually opposed to the um, uh, imperial systems of the Roman uh, government. Nonetheless, He, as he communicates with a largely Gentile church, he draws on imagery that they would have understood, that they would have in some ways been familiar with and identified with. Namely, of the all-conquering heroic emperor, whether he actually was the one on the battlefield or not, parading through the streets of the city. And in that parade... Following him, surrounding him, were, of course, his soldiers, those who had fought hard to win the victory, and also his newly acquired slaves, those um, who had been subjected to his reign. And so they were uh, behind him or in front of him, and he led the procession through the city, to celebrate great triumph. As a picture of, see these my captives. See these my new subjects. See, sometimes it wasn't people um, who were particularly upset about it. Perhaps they saw the Roman system as somewhat better than the one that they were escaping. There were people like that. And so there they are um, um, uh, the loyal subjects of His imperial majesty. Again, Paul is not endorsing any of that as it was worked out in the Roman Empire, what he is saying is we have a better king. We have a better emperor. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we march after Jesus, not as slaves, not as subjects, but as citizens of His kingdom and what's more, sons of a loving Heavenly Father who has saved us from the tyranny of death, hell, and sin and leads us onward by His grace and for His glory. Christ knows how to lead us. He leads us in triumphal procession as those who have repented of sin and believed in Jesus Christ who was crucified for our sins, satisfying the righteous demands of justice on the cross, and is risen from the dead victorious, achieving our justification, giving us hope and assurance of eternal life if we trust in Him. That is the King Jesus. And we follow Him as we trust in Him. And as we follow Him, we celebrate Him. We give Him praise. Yes, we are subject to Him. Yes, we are submitted to Him. But we do so gladly and joyfully. Because unlike the abusive kings who maraud and invade and slaughter and captivate Jesus Christ saves, He delivers to the uttermost all who come to Him. Yes, he, de- he, he leads us in triumphal procession when doors are opened. Paul comes to Troas to preach the Gospel of Christ. And what does he find in Troas? An open door for the Gospel. He was there to preach the Gospel. He found an open door there. It would seem that he in all probability, did preach the Gospel to some extent there, but he didn't stay. The door was opened even wider. But he didn't, he didn't walk through it. Did Christ stop leading Paul in triumphal procession when Paul didn't walk through that open door? Just because there's an open door doesn't mean that door's open for you. Sometimes that door is open for someone behind you that you don't know about. Someone down the street who's, who's walking. I mean, if you walk down Park Ridings and you see an open door, literally, does that mean you, it's your opportunity? You know, oh, open door. I'm just going to walk in and make myself at home. No. Even at a spiritual level. Not every open door is for you. I, even, I definitely have to tell myself that. Not every open door is for is for me. That's why I really emphasize as pastor um, my role of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. There's a lot of ministry that I do. But the pastoral office is to equip the saints for ministry, not to do all the ministry myself. And so it is a wonderful thing to hear even this morning um, uh, brothers and and sisters talking about um, an open door. But that door didn't open to me. It opened to you, and you've stepped into it, and you're serving, and you're proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And 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 you, you didn't call me and say, "Oh, Ryan, there's an open door here. Um, um, you know, can, can maybe if you come and talk to the person." Well, I'm not a spiritual Mister Fix It. I, I I don't you know, if there's an open door and someone needs to hear the gospel, do you believe the gospel? then you go into the open door and share the Gospel. The Apostle Paul finds an open door, but he moves on because Christ leads him. When there's an open door, Christ leads him. When, when we have open doors, Christ leads us. When we are not at rest, He leads us. When we're disturbed, when we're distressed, Christ leads us in triumphal procession. Weak, but carrying on. Christ leads us when we don't find who or what we're looking for. Paul goes to Troas and he's not at rest because Titus isn't there. So he moves on. Christ leads him. Christ will lead you. Wherever you go. Wherever you leave. Whatever you find. When doors are open, when you're not at rest. When you don't find who or what you're looking for. And when it's time to move on. Paul does. Moving on to Macedonia. Christ knows how to lead us. He leads us for victory. He leads us from victory. He is already one. And he leads you and me. Us together onward. Final thing. Some of y'all are probably saying, oh, I wish Ryan has a Sunday afternoon flight to catch more often. (laughs) Not so fast. Christ knows what He is doing with us. Christ is King. Christ knows how to lead us. Christ knows what He's doing with us. What is He doing with us? Through us, In Christ. Christ knows what He's doing with us. if, if, If you're submitted to Jesus Christ as King, and if you're following the leadership of Christ who knows exactly how to lead us and leads us in triumphal procession, this is what Christ does with you. He offers up through you sacrifices of praise. A sweet fragrance. The knowledge of Him spreads everywhere. So, when Paul was in Troas, the knowledge of God was spreading. When Paul said, it's time to move on, the knowledge of God was spreading. Do you live as an aroma, as an aromatic fragrance? For the glory of God in your life. When you're talking to your neighbor, is God spreading through you the aroma of God in Christ? When you're engaging with your work colleagues, is God spreading through you the aroma of God in Christ? This afternoon, when you're out front talking... Is there any other aroma than that of grilled meats, which will waft into the nostrils of those who pass by? I certainly hope the knowledge of God in Christ. I know people can raise all sorts of problems to solutions, not least when it comes to the message of salvation by grace through faith. I know people can make many excuses for why they do not darken the doors of churches, never mind why they do not trust in Jesus. And yet I am often disturbed by the reasons people give for why Jesus' church has no interest for them. I spoke Thursday night to a... An atheist woman, but one who has embraced, she says she's an atheist, but she's embraced paganism. Her tattoos, I thought, were just part of the biker lifestyle she had embraced. But they, as I, it all took a different connotation the more she spoke. Her cane had a skull on it. There was lots of dark, sort of death-like imagery and then she began to share with me about um, um, her her pagan wedding, which is coming up. And so I just engage her in conversation. yeah, you know you can do that. you know do not be please don't be weird you know pulling out crucifixes and garlic or anointing oil or sort of you know don't. Don't, you know you're not going to persuade anyone by screaming at them? Idolater. This person doesn't even believe in God, but they are nonetheless spiritual. They believe in something, and so they talking to me about cleansing their chakras, whatever that is, and about um, 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 you know Mother Earth and all of these different forces and things like that. And I was like, no, oh, this is you know. Pretty demonic stuff. May God be merciful and gracious to her through the gospel. But the sad thing is, it's very hard to communicate the gospel to her because she says that she's been to churches, and um, as she turns the corner, she said, They're like this. Maybe not about her, maybe about her, she doesn't know. She says she, she 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 struggles with the idea of even coming to church because she turns the corner and there's a group of ladies over in the corner giving it this. That's ungodly. The scriptures rebuke us and command us not to be gossips, not to be slanderers, not to be liars. Also Even if it's true, not to mouth off about people who are made in the image of God. One minute singing his praises, James says, and the next cursing those who are made in his image. Brothers and sisters, James says, these things ought not to be. What aroma are you sending off? Now, there are some in self-righteousness who say, ah, but Paul says to some, a fragrance from death to death. Yeah, but he doesn't mean that you get, you know, death-fragranced you to toilet spiritually and spray it all over you like, you know, I'm going to make myself reprehensible in the eyes of the world. Rather, he says, you must be above reproach. You must be of good character. Your speech must be seasoned with grace and kindness and gentleness. So it is not you who is offensive. It's not your face that is offensive. It's not your tone or your, 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 your voice or the words that you choose to slice through that are offensive, but it is simply the Gospel that's offensive and, bizarrely, the kindness of God in Christ. If they want to reject that, then they are dead. They are perishing. But some people, it's like they want to be the fragrance of death. They want to to, to be just an offense to those who are perishing. And, and, and so it's all n- the negative. It's all the disagreement. It's all of the, the bad news. And they never even get around to the good news. Because they've already run off someone who might otherwise have been open. Friends, Christ knows what He's doing with us. If we are following Him trusting in Him, seeking to be not only proclaimers of the gospel of Christ, but in the presence of God, in the sight of God, knowing He sees and He hears. We speak in Christ. That is, we not only speak of Christ, but we speak in Christ, meaning Christlikeness. And Jesus did know how and when to dole out woes, to a wicked society. Absolutely. But unfortunately, some people um, will uh, uh, load up on woes and they'll go to the very people who need healing and deliverance and who are under a heavy burden. The people to whom Jesus said, come to Me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Make sure you're aiming your woes in the right direction. We're a fragrance, an aroma to the glory of God and to a lost and dying world among the perishing, among those who are being saved, in sincerity. Not peddlers, we're not messing about here. We're genuinely communicating good news. Sincerely. Not trying to sell anyone on anything. And we have substance. The substance is what? The Gospel. When I came to Troas, I came what? To preach the Gospel of Christ. When he left and went to Macedonia, what do you think he went to do? To preach the Gospel of Christ. We are not like so many peddlers of God's Word. It's just a job to us but we're men of sincerity. We will will preach on with or without. We will preach on whether we have a hearing or not. We will preach whether a door is open or not. And sometimes when a door is open, we'll leave it for someone else to walk through that door and we'll go and find another one. We will preach. We'll proclaim. We will continue to offer up a fragrance to God and to the world. When the emperors of old would march through the streets, the people surrounding him in the victory parade would have bundles of incense burning. The streets were filled with fragrance. And they would make great proclamations in the name of their gods. We have a better king. We have a greater God. We have a victory march that we're already in. Marching from victory. And we are marching, yes, for victory as we proclaim Christ. Weak but carrying on, even when diverted. May God help us and be with us. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You strengthen us and sustain us through it, that You teach us. For these, my brothers and sisters, I pray that wherever they go this week, that they would carry with them the aroma, the fragrance of Your goodness in Jesus Christ. Lord God, may may we not be objectively a death-like fragrance, a stench in the nostrils, of a world that's already dead so it must take something for them to smell such repugnancy. But rather may we be a fragrance, either one that condemns because it's so good but it's, it's not received, or one that brings to life because it's so good people can't help but receive it. Help us to be that kind of fragrance. Lead us onward, in Jesus' name, amen.